State of the Industry podcast. Welcome, everybody. This is Adam Youngsma. I'm really excited to bring you this episode with the one and only Brett Allman. To put it briefly, Brett Allman travels all over North America and speaks to thousands of people on topics including mental health, parenting, and media. He's also published several books. In this lengthy conversation, we discuss everything mental health and its impact on you as fitness and movement professionals. What makes this conversation so powerful, though, is that he actually discusses his own mental health journey and therefore provides this very unique perspective on the challenges that we face within the fitness industry. All of this will help you not only better understand your own mental health, but that of your clients as well and how you can begin to help them. It's also interesting to note that he is a kinesiology grad, a former high school teacher, and a former personal trainer. So without any more incessant rambling on my part, let's get right into it. Welcome to the State of the Industry podcast. Thanks for joining us, Brett. How you doing? I'm glad to be here. I'm, it's interesting in this season. I say good, but I think we're all in this unknown kind of flux as we're all at home and trying to figure out work and family and life, but uh, I'm, I'm doing okay. Awesome. Awesome. Good to hear. Great to have you on. I'm really excited. Like since we started recording episodes for this podcast, I've been wanting to, and then as you know, cause we taught it a couple of days ago, been working on a mental health personal trainers online course, really trying to get information about mental health, mental illness, those types of things out into that industry, because it's something that really isn't talked about a whole lot. So I'm really, really excited to chat with you a little bit about how we can be better trainers to our clients in not only the season that we're in right now, but even when everything gets back to, you know, quote unquote normal, where we're back into the gym to see how that kind of changes things. I'm really excited for this. Yeah, for sure. So I wanted to just start off with giving the listeners a bit of a background about you, what you currently do and how you got to where you are right now. Sure. So I, I'm assuming people are listening to this from all over. So I live in a town called Ajax, which is about 45 minutes east of the city of Toronto in Ontario. Uh, my background is education. I am uh, was a teacher for 10 years in the with the Toronto District School Board. Uh, I actually, it's very interesting being on a podcast for trainers. I was a trainer. I'm actually a kinesiology major. I spent uh, probably all my university years and then into my first few teaching years being a trainer at multiple clubs uh, in and around the Toronto area. Uh, I did do my, and I say it's interesting, if you, we debate the term kinesiology at places. Uh, I was the year at University of Toronto where we voted on do we switch to kinesiology or do we keep it physical and health education? Mm. And we voted down kinesiology, much to my chagrin. Uh, but our our school was different just with the size of it. So you can take courses uh, in, in at U of T kind of like the Olympics and other ones, or you can take, I wanted the K. And so I had to take, I forget how many physiologies, anatomies, cellular physiology and stuff. So anyway, so I did that. I was a teacher for a decade and then left teaching about 15 years ago uh, and became a speaker. And I 
travel and speak full-time now throughout Canada, mostly a bit into the U.S., speaking a lot on current issues, uh, speaking predominantly in the church world, but a lot of my mental health stuff gets into everything from businesses, camps, conferences, schools, and other things. But uh, I travel, well, I did travel full-time right now, again, kind of off the road and doing a lot more online sessions and podcasts kind of like this but kind of just uh, enjoying the season. Uh, you know, I, I get a chance to research topics like mental health, and I have my own journey with that. I'm open to share as well, but uh, just having a chance to have conversations on topics we don't often speak about. Awesome. Yeah, I know when we, uh, when we originally chatted, um, a lot of the conversation that we had was surrounding mental health because that was one of the things that I was currently working on was the online course, and you actually spoke a lot about... Um, the um, kind of experience that you had with uh, mental health and um, would you mind just sharing a little bit about that so just to get some background about where you're coming from yeah for sure so i like all of us we have stress times in life uh when i was teaching i actually began speaking the year i began teaching and found myself like teaching full-time and a few years down the road uh you know married pregnant wife, one and a half year old at home and very like I was teaching, speaking and stress. And, uh, you know, I removed teaching. I began speaking full time uh, and things were okay. I began doing a master's degree in Chicago. Uh, and then I found myself in trouble. You know, I always use the word trapped, which is, that sounds like I'm saying a victim, but there's situations you get in. It's like, I'm not stopping my master's, but if I get it done quicker, I can get back to regular life more. Mm-hmm. I found myself speaking not 125 times a year, but 275 to 300 times a year, which is just stupid. Like I, I fully acknowledge that it was too much. I once spoke 32 times in 14 days. Wow. But in that season of my life, it was kind of like, Hey, I can pay for, you know, my flight to Chicago or I can, you know, stay in this apartment. Now my friends, my family, uh, we're a nonprofit, my board of directors, everyone kind of encouraged me to slow down. And I just kept saying, March 1st, 2012, because if I can just graduate, my life goes back to just speaking and just family. The only problem is, is right after graduating, I began to kind of unravel. And we use terms like burnout, breakdown, and others. I had five months of just chaos. I'd be in front of an audience of 500 people. And suddenly, uh, for anyone who's ever had panic attacks and anxiety, I suddenly would feel dizzy. Like I'm six foot six. And like, do you just gracefully fall over? Like, what do you do? <laughs> like, it's, this was new to me. It's like, I, I don't know what to do. So I had this happen, went home, went to, went to my family doctor. He said, you have anxiety. I said, no, no, I speak on anxiety. He said, no, no, you have anxiety. Like, it was this weird, like, I, I'm someone who speaks on this. I'm not someone who has this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's those people who have anxiety and mental health, not me. And this was the beginning of a journey. And over five months, I I was speaking at, I think I was doing 10 Catholic high schools, like a tour of all of them in the Windsor area. On the second day of my tour, I found myself crying in my car, like nothing's happening. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm not okay. Went home, more doctors, sleep clinics, specialists. Uh, I had my first panic attack at a camp in Alberta. I flew out to speak. And for anyone who doesn't sleep well, my sleep was a mess. And got up in the morning and I had what I think is my first panic attack, fight or flight. Now it's fight, flight, or freeze, but I had, I fled. I actually, like a thousand people came to hear me speak at a camp for a weekend, a big conference, and I packed up and left. Hmm. 
drove away, cocooned myself at the airport till my WestJet flight flew me home. And it all kind of came to head uh, that summer. I was speaking at another camp and went boating through the day with some friends and my family was with us. And so my family and a friend's family went to McDonald's for dinner. And most, I say McDonald's is, is that the right term? You know, like when you come out of a McDonald's, yeah. you step through the drive-through to get to your car. And everything went slow for me. And I, I kind of thought, oh, I'm being hit by a car, but I wasn't being hit by a car. I was falling into a parked car. Hmm. My equilibrium just was off. My wife walked me like a blind person to my car. And then I didn't leave the cottage we were staying in for a week. And then I didn't leave my house for five months. And I didn't actually work for about a year. And there's irony in my journey in that I'm someone who spoke on mental health. And it's eight years, almost nine years later, and I still struggle. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's just interesting when I used to call, you know, it was those people with mental health. And now those are kind of my people. Like, it's actually, that's me. And yeah. uh, it's just made mental health something a lot more real for me, especially in my talks, right? It's not a conversation of empathy anymore. It's, it's I'm speaking from my own journey and just realizing even this morning I had two different uh, one zoom call and one other with people who are struggling. Yeah. And just, uh, I think, especially right now, especially with all this, uh, you know, a lot of us are at home as we're filming this and I know this will change, but, uh, there's a lot more anxiety we're seeing just as we all struggle through this kind of season. Yeah. You mentioned something interesting that, um, I wanted to ask you about. You said that when you started, um, teaching and then you were traveling, you're doing your master's and everybody else was telling you to slow down. Did you feel the buildup of stress in yourself during that time? Or was it just because you were so busy all the time that they're telling you to slow down? Was it like, was it palpable for you? It was, but I, I view it like a really, like you go for a long run or I did a 40 K bike the other day. 20k in you're tired but you keep going because you have a goal right you you, there's something you need to do and i'm one of those push you know not that i like adrenaline but like running hit training like give like i want i like that stuff Mm -hmm. so it's a mix of just i was pushing through it but it also was combined with a bit of just i didn't really know what to do there are times in life that life's busy and you don't realize how you had time until you get married. <laughs> and then you don't realize how much time you had when you're married until you have a child. Yeah. And they don't realize how much time you had with one child until you have two children. Like it's just, it's interesting. There's these seasons. And yeah. so uh, I, I think it was a mix of both. I think people just saw me doing too much. And I think there was a bit of arrogance and a bit of pride in that as well of like, I'll be mm-hmm. fine. And I was wrong. Like I, I was wrong. Like I, I really should not have, pushed as much and like and i i am i mean i run a nonprofit. i i'm big on goal setting and everything else but i think that we also have to make sure that that's not done at the expense of our health yeah like having health and wellness and our health and wellness journeys doing something can't affect that so detrimentally that it actually like it for me it affected everything in my life mm-hmm. it's interesting when like you're talking about health and wellness and there being a big balance um, in life between what you're doing to try to maintain health and wellness. And yet it can also be detrimental if you're doing too much of it. Um, so that actually brings us uh, is a great segue into kind of the, the talk that I 
really wanted to get down to, which was the prevalence of mental health in kind of the training environment itself, right? And a lot mm. of people come in with a lot of stress and then physical activity is a stress and some of them even train too much and it can actually exacerbate a lot of the, the, the stress and the cortisol release that they're, they're experiencing at the time. But can you just talk about that? Like you've been, uh, you've had experience not only talking about mental health, but also um, uh, experiencing it and living with it. And then also as a trainer. So can you just kind of talk about stress in that training environment? Well, I think the reality is this, if we take one step back, the prevalence of mental health mm -hmm. is everywhere today. Uh, one of the studies I always go back to was done by McLean's magazine. And I forget the year it came out, but they did a study called uh, the broken generation. I want to make sure I get that right here. Uh, what was the title? Uh, Campus crisis, the broken generation. You can Google that and mm -hmm. the studies will come out. But they studied, uh, they, they pulled 1,600 students at U of A, University of Alberta, which is in Edmonton, and they were floored by the results. And I think, especially as Canadians, but like this study has gone all around the world, like of the 1,600 students, 51% felt that things in life were hopeless. Hmm. Like that's question one, <laughs> like the half the students. Uh, number two felt overwhelmed by all they had to do. Now, of all those statistics, that's the only one that I kind of go, eh, like, when did you pull people? Like, I have a grade 12 daughter, I have a grade 11 son as well, but like, when my daughter goes to university next year, like, is she overwhelmed in Frost Week? For sure. First few weeks of class? For sure. Like, when did you pull people? Yeah. Uh, third, feeling lonely, 62. That's like, we don't like to talk about that, right? Like feeling, especially as men, but I mean, anyone, but like feeling lonely, 62, feeling very sad, 66%. Hmm. Like, and I love the way they use the language. It didn't, they didn't just say sad. They said very sad. Mm -hmm. And that's two thirds. Uh, so depressed, it's difficult to function with 66% of the students. Wow. Like that's, that's a, like you picture again, people coming in to do a training session with you at a gym or a home gym or whatever you're, you're at. Like, that's two thirds of everyone at the school. Overwhelming anxiety. Um, uh, sorry, I'm reading these wrong. So depressed is difficult to function, 34%, and feeling overwhelming anxiety, 52%. Like, mm -hmm. so a third dealing with depression, over a half dealing with anxiety. And I think that's kind of where I see this today. Now, the other ones went through uh, considered suicide, 7%. Like, that's a lot of people considered yeah. suicide, and 1% had attempted. But what was interesting is they made a premise that maybe it's just U of A. Hmm. Now, I always joke and say maybe the Edmonton Oilers hockey team is just so bad for that. And don't say that in Edmonton. It's funny how people <laughs> don't yeah. find that funny when you're talking about sports. I miss sports as a side note. Uh, but they pulled, they made a premise so they could pull more people. And so the premise was maybe it's just this school. Yeah. And they were, again, kind of flattened when they – the study was Canadian, so they pulled every college university in Canada, and the statistics went up. Hmm. And like, we're a large country, so whether you pull from East Coast to West Coast, like I put forth, it's everywhere, right? It, it's your gym, it's my gym, it's your family, it's my family, it's where you work. Like, And so the statistics today are, and this was now probably eight, nine years ago, and I think we're actually worse. I wouldn't hmm. say we're getting better. Like the pressures on people, the work pressure on people, the pressure on students. My wife and I went with our daughter last year to what's called the University Fair. It's at a convention center in Toronto and like every yep. school is there. 
it was palpable the pressure these kids were were under hmm. you know but even a kid in grade seven today is like well if they don't do grade seven they won't do well in grade eight they won't get into the right high school and program for grade nine like it, it's all there's just so much pressure yeah so I, I just think this is a statistically when you are seeing a new client or someone coming in the odds are that they have had they either know someone or will have a struggle with mental health in that moment. Yeah. You asked an interesting question the last time that I heard you speak, you basically said, so by a show of hands, who here knows somebody who's been affected? And I'm pretty sure every single person or the vast majority of them put up their hand as in they know somebody they've experienced themselves, something like that. So I think like just the prevalence of mental health, I think people are becoming more aware but I also think that a lot of people think to themselves, it can't, can't be me, right? Like you, you yeah. said yourself, well, it can't be me. I, I speak on this stuff. I can't have anxiety. I speak about it. And I also think that for a lot of people who don't, um, maybe aren't self-aware enough um, or, or aren't aware enough of the signs of mental health uh, or poor mental health, uh, I think that's a big thing as well, that they, they maybe don't even recognize it in themselves until it's almost too late right? And it's kind of spiraled out of control, so to speak. Mm. So when kind of looking at the, the training environment, when you're looking at um, even your experience as a personal trainer, what do you wish you would have known about mental health and working with clients who may experience that um, on a day-to-day basis? What would you have liked to know? As a trainer or as someone, like as a trainer? Yeah, as a trainer. What's interesting is, is that like I'm 40, I'll be 49 in a month. We never spoke about this. Mm -hmm. Like in any course I ever did, we, we never spoke on mental health uh, in any of my actual uh, like uh, certifications for becoming a personal trainer. It was never mentioned. So to me, when I look at back, and I'm going to say back in the day, which really dates me, but like when I just wish someone would have just addressed it, Mm -hmm. like just even speak about it, just address it. And today I, I think we do, but I still don't think we do it well. I mean, we have these in Canada, we have the bell talks day once a year and everyone shares something around and they get three cents per share or something, but it's like, well, there's no 300 plus states a year. Like, and so I just, I think the more we, I think the more we speak about this, no matter where you're at, like school, business, family, like the more we talk about this, the more we address it. And and for this podcast, from a training standpoint, I think the better off we'll be when this becomes just normal, I'll say normal vernacular, right? It's just, it's not the uncommon to speak about mental health. It's just the common, it's the norm. Yeah. Yeah. And oftentimes people talk about the stigma behind the mental health, um, you know, talking about mental health, um, or the conversation surrounding it, but really changing that conversation, not just having more of it, but changing the conversation that we have around it too. Right. So Mm. speaking about it a little bit differently. I know when I was doing a lot of my research for this online course, um, I was researching how to speak about it. Right. Like I was doing a lot of research and a lot of things, like I was saying, you know, suffering, you know, from mental health. It's like, well, you shouldn't say that you should say living with, right? Like, um, 
Yeah, so it was, a, it was a really big eye-opener, even for me, as I was kind of preparing the course about even some of the things that I say when I'm talking about um, speaking about mental health or mental illness were things that, you know, probably shouldn't be said, um, or there's better ways to say them. Mm. Um, so when thinking about um, a, a client comes in and you um, are chatting with them a little bit and you may realize or, or, or hear some things like some trigger words from them. Um, what kind of things might a, a trainer hear in a consultation or from a current client that may give the kind of the inclination that they might be, um, you know, living with some sort of mental health uh, problem? What's hard is there's so much, I mean, there's the, the normal ones. Like if you're a trainer and someone's coming in, you'll hear the worry. You'll hear the, we might see the fatigue. I mean, now here's the problem. We're all tired. You know, if I, Hey, how you doing? Tired. Like that's just, it's become almost like a badge of honor. I actually think it's the opposite. Like, I think we need, that shouldn't be a response. We're always just beyond tired, but for people with mental health uh, fatigue, because sleep is a sign of both anxiety struggles and depression struggles. Mm. Now, and mental health is so much more than that. Schizophrenia, bipolar, there's all these things, but like anxiety and depression, some of those base things you'll see with all those things. Irritability, I mean, someone comes in and they're just angry and irritable and agitated. You gotta add in every adjective there. Uh, Self-deprecating comments. You know, people who belittle themselves, undervalue themselves. Like, I mean, you're trying there to work with them and they, they're like just, they're saying disparaging comments. You know, I'm so worthless. I'm so stupid. I'm so ugly. I'm so fat. Now, and here's, here's the problem. Is that mental health or is that a really low self-esteem? Mm-hmm. Right? Like there's, there's, it's not as just, it's not simple. Yeah. Uh, it's not as like, if someone has cancer, right? We can do tests and say they have cancer. We can test, you have diabetes and all these other things, but mental health's one of these, it's hard. That person could have had a really bad day. Someone yeah. cut them off on the highway a few minutes. They come into you. They didn't sleep well because they had a crying child up last night. They just had a fight with their spouse. The boss was angry. Like, you know, who knows? And you're the first person they see that you're they're comfortable with and they lay into you. Mm-hmm. But it could be. And so to me, it's one of those things of just having ears open to always just kind of listen for those things. Is it is it a trend? Is it a one-off? Like we all have bad days. Yeah. But if ongoing there's worry, ongoing, self-deprecating kind of comments. Yeah. Yeah. So what would then be um, when thinking about a trainer? So you've got a client who comes in, um, maybe a current client. And I've known because I've spoken with um, several trainers who've actually asked this question. They've got a client who comes in very, very negative. Like they see everything in a negative light, right? Every challenge, obstacle, every situation, you know, very fixed mindset based, um, very hard to learn in that environment, but everything's negative. When, when a trainer encounters somebody like that, how can they actually kind of protect their own, their own mental health in those situations? Because that can, that can weigh on you. Right, that can weigh on you having those conversations and and hearing people talk in a very negative light a lot, right? So protecting your own mental health. Um, 
I might just say this. I might change it to make sure that you're leading from a place of good mental health yourself first and foremost. Mm. Like there's no facet of a society that we don't see mental health uh, or like, and we use terms like mental health, mental like wellness. We use these terms interchangeably, but like there's no facet. We don't see people who are struggling. Now there's might be certain parts of society who have less mental health that we do see. But so I would say first we come as trainers from a place of to the best of our ability. Like I struggle with mental health. It doesn't mean that I also can't have, this is, this is where you get into some kind of uh, vernacular of language. I can yeah. be struggling with mental health while having good mental health. Yes. Right. And you can put those on axes of different things. Like I am still unwell, but it doesn't mean that I can't be focused and working hard at like health and wellness, right. Uh, at the exact same time and have better, like better mood. Like for me, I, I personally started walking. Uh, I also have been diagnosed with Lyme disease, which is an interesting mm. thing. So they wonder if Lyme is the root of all my mental health struggles. Mm. I, had, I had a bad fall. I was gaining weight. I was struggling. I think I was eating because I'm just I'm not sleeping and I'm frustrated and I'm still at the gym. But, and so I started in January just walking. Mm. And for me, like I needed to get my mood like if I'm going to help teach people, I need to get my mood better. And I began walking 5k, five to 10k kind of a day while well, I'm outside, you're getting vitamin D. Now it's winter. You're getting a little bit on your face, but it's, but like I'm outside. I live by Lake Ontario. There's trees. I put podcasts on. So I'm learning and I'm out. And then I found I'm eating a little bit better. And then from eating a bit better, I'm now exercising, you know, more strategically and better. And so I think first, for me, this is what I did is I worked on making sure that I'm in a better place. Mm -hmm. And then you can then go look at, you know, working where your strengths are. And that's what you need to do as a trainer too. Like we're talking about mental health, but we need to all remember that you work from your strengths. And most people here have strengths, right? You're, you're a specialist in health, like health and wellness is the big umbrella, but in that you are looking at the, the you know, the training, the fitness component of how to, you know, whether it's our cardio and hit training or whether it's weight training and whatever else we do. But I think it's interesting to realize when people come in and see us, there's a, there's a, an old kind of, uh, heard the term, the theater of your mind. Have you ever heard that before? Yeah. Like, and I always, I always view it like there is a, uh, there's like a ledge right above my eyes. And for most people, there's nothing on it. So it's fine. I'm looking at you, I'm doing life. But for someone who's struggling with like panic or other things, you can't see through that. Hmm. And so, you know, I take someone like your pain is just so cute. You can't see through that to other things. So if someone's coming into you and they are unwell and unwell enough that, you know, like for me, if I've had a bad sleep or other things, you don't just get rid of that. Like it's there for the day. So someone could have had a really bad sleep. Their anxiety's high, but they're like, I got an appointment. You know, I paid for some sessions. I'm going to come and see you. And so they chunk it out just to get to the gym. Them, right? Like get to my car, drive to the gym. They sit and do breathing exercises in their car and they come to you. Well, here's the hard part. They're just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. Like, and so they may with that theater of their mind, like in that they're just don't panic, try to be normal. And in that they're actually like, they're doing every, like they're, as they're chatting with you, they're doing belly breathing and reminding themselves they'll be okay. And I just think we need to make sure that we're always giving kind of compassion and empathy for people, but at the same time, looking at how can we work within those limitations and give them the best that we can in that moment in that day, because 
what you're doing is a big part of their health and wellness journey as a trainer, right? Like I think exercise is a massive component of, of, you know, like I always say to people before you go on medicine for mental health, I want you to walk every day for six months. Something mm-hmm. as simple, like let's first do those things and see if we need medications or not. Cause I'm, yeah. I'm also what's I call an and person. I'm not an or person. It's not medication or exercise. It might be both. We don't know, but let's, yeah. I first go towards natural things. I first think we, I'm going to head into that in a minute, probably a bigger body, mind, soul conversation. But like, yeah. I think that there's just so much to address as we think of a person coming in of what they might be going through. And then we haven't even addressed a million other things. Like, you know, they just broke up with their boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife. And there's other things like, but from a mental health standpoint, just acknowledging that they might not be okay. And I know I, I never had this like mental health wasn't something we talked about years ago. And I always wonder if there's a way that we, and I think you and I chatted about this a bit, like the check-in, like just checking in with people and, you know, it's kind of even when I see people, it's like, say, hey, hey, how are you? Good. And then I ask again, how are you? Really? Well, there's a whole different answer you get when you ask it a second time. Yeah. Like even now, like every time there's a conversation, how are you? Good, good weekend. Great. And then it's like, no, so how's things going? Oh, it's really, really brutal. Like, I just think <laughs> yeah, we're not honest. And so it, it's important just to connect so that you then know how that like, is today a day we're going to push, right? Because is it today a maintaining day of what we've been working on? Is today a day we're going to push, you know, weights or distance or speed or different things? Or I don't know, but it's just, I think we need to find a way to make sure that we're connecting and understanding where each other is. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. Um, asking it twice, you always get that different answer. Um, hmm. Because, you know, it's almost like you have, you hear something and then all of a sudden you just, you just, you just respond instantly with your, pre-programmed response to it. It's the same thing when I used to walk into, you know, Best Buy or Future Shop. Do you need anything? Nope. Okay. Just browsing, right? Like that's my pre-programmed. Even if I need help, that's my pre-programmed response, right? And so, you know, as a, as a trainer, right, being able to ask it maybe in a different way, but multiple times to try to see, you know, is there something maybe going on that we need to, we need to address and you actually mentioned something really interesting um, when we were talking about addressing or, or always um, bringing to a situation when you're working with a client with compassion and empathy, right? And I think there's some trainers are really, really good at it. Some trainers are not because there's a lot of kind of stigma in even the industry in and of itself that, you know, this is where you're strong. This is where you push through. This is where you battle, battle, battle. You know, this is where you... Um, you know, go into beast mode, you know, all those different Mm -hmm. types of ways of saying things. And so people often trainers, when they have a client come in, it's like, okay, well, all that's done. Let's push as hard as we can. Right. But you talked about working within the client's limitations, right? So maybe having to modify the training that you're doing with that client to match either the stress level that the client has or the specific needs that that client has. Um, it's funny you mentioned beast mode like I I know at the gym that I work out at there's a lot of trainers and some of them like (laughs) I never I never used the thought of beast mode until you said that but like some of them it's like every rep they're doing they're screaming at them to get it done you're almost there like two left and I kind of go on like if when I'm having a bad day a being centered out 
like because people all hear that and they see that person and it's also sending that person out who might not be using heavier weights might be a new person to the gym but it might be good to almost check with clients of how they want to be motivated now they might not know how they need to be motivated but like heading straight from you know hey all right sit down and then head straight to beast mode might not be the best (laughs) thing for someone who is just really it's having a bad day and struggling and there might be different ways we find a motivating and it might mean just i mean you can still encourage someone you're right near their head anyways it's like you don't maybe no we don't need to yell or maybe it's it's they need different different feedback or different things yeah yeah and i think we'll get to that a little bit later talking about how we adapt maybe our training or our motivational style towards um you know different levels of stress or um, you know, current state of mental health, but you mentioned something else. You talked about kind of the body, mind, soul mentality. So Mm. just kind of for context, for background, can you just talk about that a little bit, what that is and what that means? So I, this is kind of what I use at every talk. It's just the idea. See, I think we need, for those of us who struggle, we, I'm big on processes. Like what I found was chaos for me like I remember sitting at home and in would come people into my house and each of them would offer me different solutions hey have you tried and like add in anything you want onto that line have you tried running and I remember saying to a guy I haven't left my house in five months but have you tried running it's like you're an idiot like what do you mean mean like are you listening to me like him challenging me to go walk around the block would have been a marathon but mm-hmm. go for like, it was just dumb. You know, have you tried vitamin D? Like in the faith community, people often would say, have you tried religion, right? Have you tried faith conversations? But there's just, we offer all of these kinds of things, but there was no, like, well, what do you do? And so I really, I remember kind of sitting through, I, I was going through tens of thousands of messages and emails I've got over the years. And all of them, as I looked for a, a process, landed in one of the body the mind and the soul categories Hmm. and for me i was like you know even when i did my kin degree like that's a very holistic way to view people like we are we're not just humans my psychologist once said to me to facilitate healing we have to divide up the indivisible Hmm. and i remember thinking that's a really cool line like and here's the problem we don't know what's wrong with someone yeah like as like probably everyone listening here is a big health and wellness person, but we look at health and wellness from exercise, diet, right? And if we, if we brought out farther sleep and these other things, but we're still looking at it from a physicality, like this physical nature, which is kind of where I lean as well. And I mean, inside the body, I'm going to go through a few of these things. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff in it. Like I would encourage people who are unwell to go through things. and, And we fit into parts of this, like, uh, like go to a doctor though. Like it's, this is where we as trainers understand who we are. We're not counselors. We're not doctors, but we're part of a greater, I call it, I love the term like functional medicine, like, which is all these components. And we're part of that. But like to say to someone, have you gotten blood work done? Well, I want to know. I want to know how my vitamin D is. I want to know how my cortisol levels for me. I found out my testosterone was zero. Hmm. 
well, not only is that like we think, oh, well, then your libido is low. Well, of course it is, but I'm also stressed. I'm not sleeping, but testosterone plays roles in all kinds of things in our bodies as well. Yeah. But so blood work is good. Um, sleep specialists, like go get a sleep specialist down. And the number of people with mental health I've known who, you know, you go to a sleep specialist, they stick those electrodes all over you. And in the morning they tell you, like for me, they said I had fragmented sleep. But for one guy I know, he had the worst sleep apnea the doctor said he'd ever seen. Hmm. And he put on one of those, I call them Darth Vader machines, <laughs> BiPAP, CPAP machines. Yeah, yeah. But he, he was better in one day. And for anyone who doesn't sleep well, like you get a good night's rest and it's like, it's life-changing. Yeah, uh, you might need medicine, and I was on medicine for a while, and I still carry with me, like even as I say this podcast, like I have a bottle of Ativan in front of me, and Ativan is a fact, fast-acting benzodiazepine, and yes, they're highly addictive, but when I'm struggling and having a bad day, and I need to speak, I need to do things, I take one of those under my tongue, and it helps. Uh, I mean, I've had, I mean, under this aspect of body, I've had. MRIs done because my neurologist, because I get dizzy, my question was, or their question was, was it in my brain? And so like, let's do an MRI. Do you have a brain tumor? To this day, I have a naturopath, nutritionist, allergist, the list kind of goes on. And so I think, and, and I think the body is one of those paramount things. Like I think uh, like all that we do in this is medicine. Like I, I think we think medicine is medicine, but like diet is medicine, exercise is medicine. And so I think some of the foundations in this that we as trainers tell people like is, you know, it's the exercise daily, it's the sleep better and it's eat better, right? It's, it's, it's simple foundations that I think from that have lifelong ramifications in every other aspect of life. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I think we have to be careful too. I mean, we, I mean, I remember when I, was with a trainer before I was getting my training, you know, certifications. And it was like, he went from zero to a hundred in one session. Like, I mean, we, it was the most intricate training program. I'd never even been to a gym before. And then the diet I was on, you know, it's kind of like today we had straight to keto, you know, this or this, and I'm not saying any of these are wrong. I'm just saying, maybe we just cut out pizza, burgers, chips, and pop. Like, <laughs> yeah let's take things in that in a way because we need wins like the goal is a win i remember one of my first clients lost 20 pounds and like 20 pounds now this person was 350 or something but like to lose five pounds is a win yeah yeah and or even just to feel better about yourself is a win like there's there's all these great wins and sleep i mean i think this is where we also it's kind of a side thing but challenging people to have better sleeps like the more we're training the more we should be sleeping like and then, you know, all the sleep hygiene conversations, not having our phones out, you know, to, you know, and then straight going to bed. But I think the body is huge and we do those things. And I think the mind, uh, any, any, you want me to, any questions on that body part or anything you want to, or is that kind of? Well, just from uh, the training perspective, I, I do think we often either um, oversimplify the, the solution, right? Like, so you're coming in, you're, you're tired and fatigued. Well, it's probably because you're not exercising because you're sedentary. Mm. So let's get you active. Right. So we, we often, and like, I, I know I've been, um, I've been guilty of that as well. Of the client coming in like, yeah, we can get you more energy. Right. Very simple. Let's just start exercising. As soon as you start exercising, you'll feel like you got more energy. And like, there are things that are linked, right? Like when you are more active, 
Um, typically, your body does need more, more rest, and so there may be more of a, um, you know, a, a stimulus to sleep. And so you may improve your sleep, and you may get more energy. But um, it, it's the the challenge or the hard part is that we often that's what we as a trainer that's all we look at, right? Mm-hmm. We don't actually look at as you're going to expand onto, but we don't look at the the uh, the mind, so the mental side of things as well as kind of the the soul side of things as well. Even thinking of the body, like, so as someone I've had, I probably had about 250 panic attacks before I uh, stopped counting. Now, I, I'm going to quickly just explain a panic attack. I think some people don't understand a panic attack. Mm-hmm. Like, we think we do. We watch, oh, uh, which Marvel movie was it that, was it Iron Man had a panic attack? Yeah. I think Iron Man did. I was kind of like, I'm in the movie going, that's, that's the panic attack. It's weird that we have superheroes having panic attacks. Yeah. But a panic attack would be like someone takes a grenade and pulls the pin and it explodes inside you. Yeah. But it's emotions. One of the uh, sleep, uh, sorry, the panic programs I bought was called Panic Away. It was like 50 bucks or something. And the ebook, one of the lines I remember, it just says, anxiety is just feelings. Hmm. Anxiety is just feelings. It's so simple. And it's true. It's just feelings, but they're misplaced feelings. Mm. Like when you go on, a, like uh, we're in the Toronto area, we have Wonderland near us, the theme park. And so if you go to a roller coaster, you want that adrenaline, you want those goosebumps. And like, you know, when you're heading up to the top of a ride, like the Leviathan or any of these big roller coasters, you don't want it having dinner with your wife and kids. Mm-hmm. I didn't want it when I went to a Blue Jays game years ago and had a panic attack in the sixth inning. Like, these aren't things we want, but it's kind of just thick. Now we also need to distinguish anxiety attacks and panic attacks. Now we use those terms interchangeably, but they're actually not. Now, and people debate this, but I would just say, I would say that anxiety attacks come from a stressor. So you're flying to the Dominican Republic for a vacation. And for weeks before, you're not looking forward to it because you have to fly. You're on the flight, you're nervous, you're breathing, doing all these exercises. But the moment you land, and that's a snap finger if you can't hear that, the moment you land, it's up, it's done. Mm-hmm. And so the stressor's gone away. It's the same with uh, you're writing an exam, right? You have to write a paper or an exam for school or something, or it's just something big. And that, as soon as that's gone, you're better. The, the opposite would be with a panic attack. Now, this is where I differ. People often say it comes out of nowhere. And I would agree, it seems to come out of nowhere. But if your body is suddenly exploding, there's something wrong. Yeah. So it might come out of nowhere, but it means that there is a accumulation of stress. There is an underlying issue. Like you are unwell. Now you could have one panic attack and that could be it. We don't really know why. Like stress, one of my doctors once said to me, stress isn't linear which was so, he just said like, it's not like you have four years of busyness and you need four years of not busyness. Or it's not like, it's not as you have, you have a really busy weekend. The next week you feel stressed. He said, stress can come out six months down the road, Hmm. which is really an interesting thought. Just that like you suddenly feel bad and you're like, well, maybe that was from the busy fall that I had. And now we're into the spring or something else. But uh, just understanding when people come in to work with us that, how they just how their bodies are and what i mean by that is like so for me with anxiety attacks anytime i do exercise now i'm some days i'm better than others but if i'm having a bad day like i went for a bike the other day so i was going to go for a 40k bike i do 20 out across the lake where i live and then 20 back but the moment 
probably 2K in. My heart rate's now rising. My body thinks I'm having a panic attack. Hmm. And because I've had so many, it's become an ingrained kind of system, right? Like this is memory and, and all the neuroplasty stuff. So I begin to think I'm having a panic attack. And so I can actually feel my arms goosebump as, and the problem is, is the next thing that would happen is, is my brain would start to shoot like all the chemicals, right? Like I'd begin walking down that path, but I've learned the, uh-uh, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. I'm biking. This is normal. I breathe and within 30 seconds, I've actually stopped this cascade of a panic attack. But it's just interesting. It's like you're, you're a trainer and in comes a person, even if they struggle with mental health, acknowledging, saying that to them, like, just so you know, when you begin a weight training routine, right. Or like, this is for me, like weights, when I'm pushing really, really hard with that, I, you hold your breath a bit. We shouldn't, but we do a little bit, yep. but in that, some of that makes my blood pressure go up and some of that makes me start thinking about having a panic attack. So a lot of this is just awareness. Like I, if I was training someone who knew they had that, I would say to them again, like, you know, this is what you can expect today. Then here's how we'll get through it. Yeah. Isn't that great? You've now acknowledged it. You're now part, or you're now an ally. If I want to use that term, I know it's the right, like you're, you're now supporting them and you're giving them a way that they can overcome that conversation. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, so how, to, sorry, I was you want me to go into it, like we went to the body, you want me to go through a bit of the mind conversation? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I think of these things, like look at this from a big perspective. If you are unwell, even someone listening to this, if someone you love is unwell, you begin down these paths and it's not, or it's, and meaning even though most of us who come from this realm, uh, you know, we're like, well, the body's everything. And I'm like, I think the body, like I would much rather people eat better and sleep more and exercise daily for months before we do other things. Now, if you're in crisis, I actually would say with medicine and those things, we might need med. Like if you're suddenly off work, if you can't function, we're not exercising for six months. You might need help right now. Then medicine might be this stopgap that we, and this is where stigma, especially with men, but this stigma of, well, I can't do that. Like it, and part of that's just coming to an acceptance of like, just like if I had diabetes or if I had cancer or something else. Yeah. Like, you know, there's a broken, this is a physiological, there's a brokenness going on. It's not just, they're not working hard enough for you. You didn't, you're just thinking wrong. There's, there's actually something wrong. Yeah. But so the body's one and the mind would be the second one. And I would say, this is kind of where you get some perspective and this is where you see a licensed like psychologist, counselor, therapist. But again, I say the word licensed. This isn't just someone, right? You're seeing someone who's trained to walk through these things. But to give you yeah. a perspective, like when I was off work, I had no perspective. Like I thought I would never work again. But hearing this is common, hearing this is something we can overcome, hearing stories of people who've gotten better from this are those things that help you walk through it. Uh, a framework, meaning like think of a scaffolding, like uh, they're putting new houses in near me. So they have these scaffolds built where they brick the houses, but like you need that for healing. You do, you don't go from, I was kind of joke. I sound like Drake, but like when you're on the bottom, you want to be on the top. It doesn't yeah. just happen, right? You, it's a, it's a methodical process. And this is where we're building things in. Like it might be your diet and exercise and a counselor and all of these things. 
uh, part of the mind is just, uh, I say pace of life inside this, like, you know, I know, and I've seen, there's trainers at my gym who I usually work out in the morning and they're there in the morning. But if I go there after school with my kids and I got high school kids, they're still there. Mm-hmm. But if I go in the evening, they're there. And I'm like, even like we have to model good. And I'm, there may be days where we do work at 12 hour day, right? Like I, I'm not saying it's bad, but you can't work 12 hour days every day, all the time. Yeah. Uh, in the mind support for our emotions. Cause if you, if you struggle with, uh, these kinds of things your emotions are shot like and this goes two ways one if it's you like the trainer or, or someone you love who's struggling like i'm watching america not american idol what's like the talent show america's got talent i'm watching yeah. that the other summer and like this teenage girls playing the guitar and if one of the judges like it they can hit this golden buzzer and confetti comes down and she goes to the finals i'm almost crying and i'm like what on earth is wrong <laughs> with me like i'm a grown man alone but then i'm like ah i've had a really bad anxiety day yeah and my emotions are raw i had this the other day i was just watching um john krasinski's uh, some yeah. good news yeah and i got a little teary and i'm like okay was this the it's prom just, one? Was this the prom one you were watching? Uh, it was the prom one. It just even some of the good things they put forward, but it's like acknowledging now it's okay to show emotions. I think anyone who yep. watches John Krasinski's thing might tear up, but if it's a little overboard, you can understand why. Uh, counselors can help you with care for you. And like the hard part for some of us is, is that we're married, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's our, like if we're struggling, it's a girlfriend, boyfriend, or whether for you it's a husband or wife or if like I mean I when I had my breakdown I had uh, two kids it's probably grade I don't know grade four and grade three I think when this first started like yeah how do you help them and this is where a counselor can say okay here's some ways to do things mm-hmm. uh, anxiety management like when I sit I sorry when I speak I sit I am the only speaker I know who doesn't stand at like a you know one of those wooden lecture lecterns whatever that term is like I, I sit I sit yeah. yeah I always sit in a big uh like I love places that have big like wing back leather chair. I'm six foot six. I need a big yeah. chair. But I also bring one of those Costco chairs that I use. Like I coach rep ball for a few years and I like these massive chairs. But like I sit in it because for me, I've learned when I sit, my body is more calm. And then psychologists and counselors can give you referrals. You know, uh, it, often people don't know the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist. And like both are similar, but a psychiatrist can actually prescribe medications. Meaning if you are not doing okay and this is ongoing or it's suddenly crisis and you need some help, it's okay to take some meds. And now you have to be careful with that. And for like, I know uh, there's a book, uh, we'll probably talk about books at the end, but there's a book called the anxiety and phobia workbook by um, Edmund, Edmund Bourne. It, It has a great chapter in there of this balance of medications. Like, Meds are not always good, but they're also not always bad. How do we kind of go, if needed, how are we going to do this in a way that is like the, that we, like we can, we do it properly. If we need to come off, how do we do that? Mm-hmm. And I just say kind of, uh, maybe the last point I'd say with uh, the mind is start having fun again. Mm-hmm. Because, and this is what I think trainers are good at, right? It's, there's some fun attached to this conversation. There's a lot of laughter and and there's a, you know, you build a rapport, there's a bit of community with that. But I think we stop having fun. You know, for me, with my age, I had grade 13. It's only grade 12 now, but like, 
you, you, for me to get into university, I needed really good averages. So I stopped going out and like we would have calculus study nights, which people laugh at, but it's like, if, Hey, if I wanted to go on to school, I had to work. And then, you know, I did my program and you know what? Cellular physiology almost killed me. And so it took like studying and now I'm not heading out and having fun. I'm doing that. And then I graduated and then I was in teacher's college and then I was married and you see the spiral. Suddenly yeah. you're, I, I don't, don't have fun and we're we're driven people we're building businesses we're working hard we're doing these things but fun is important yeah. one of my counselors once said to me um what do you do for fun and i said oh i run and she burst out laughing and said <laughs> no for fun and like and it's interesting because she said well that's just adrenaline and I, she said well what do you do for fun i'm like oh i speak and she said oh give me a break like like, like you yeah. just said adrenaline and then adrenaline yeah and I realized, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And I've taken up photography. Like I bought a camera and I love just taking shots. Like even when I walk each morning, like even if it's just on my iPhone, like I take a, a photo and I edit it on an app. And like, I'm learning to have things outside of just my work and my family. Like, But I think a, a, psych, a psychologist and counselors and people are good for this. Mm -hmm. For asking so questions, right? Those yeah, and they just give you, you about. and questions that we sometimes just don't even want to address. And so they've been trained, and and so you know, adding the body and adding the mind together just is another kind of component, kind of to me in this kind of body, mind, and soul. Call it a trifecta, or whatever you want. Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, so about a what was a year, almost a year ago, I guess, coming up on a year. Um, it'll be a year at the end of May. I tore my bicep playing hockey. Um, mm. so, um, yeah, like ruptured my, my biceps tendon and immediately after that happened, um, obviously was pretty distraught about it because for the longest time, um, almost everything that I kind of saw myself like valued for was surrounding movements, my strength and my ability to, demonstrate exercises right like as a strength and conditioning coach as a kinesiologist i'm not supposed to be the one getting injured i'm supposed to be showing people how to <laughs> either not get injured or rehab from it and so i was in a pretty I, I was in a pretty like low place for a little while i was really down on myself like because i couldn't do anything i was literally sitting on the couch i was in a cast for two weeks and then i got sorry a cast for a week and then i had that off and i was in a splint for five weeks. And this was right before my wedding too. So I was like, I felt bad for my wife or my soon to be wife at that time. I felt bad for myself and I was really down, but we went for a few walks. And, um, honestly, like she has, like, we got pictures of this where I, I'm with a cast on doing lunges on a tree trunk, right? Like, like standing on a down tree, just doing lunges on a tree. Cause I'm like, what, like, what do you do for fun? Well, I'm trying to climb trees as well as I can with one arm. Right. So I was trying to kind of add a little bit of fun into my life because I knew that I wasn't like I couldn't let that kind of define the next, you know, four or five months of my life, specifically when I'm starting into, um, you know, starting into a, uh, a marriage like that. Right. So, mm, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So. I want to just talk just just before kind of we we kind of finish off here. Um, do you just want to talk about soul quickly? Sure. Yeah. Now, 
I mean, the first time someone says the word soul, I mean, there's two types of people. I mean, there's people who come from a faith perspective, and I speak predominantly in the faith world. But soul and soul and spirit can be a lot of things. Now, here's an interesting thing. I mean, from a statistics standpoint, do people who come from faith backgrounds have less struggles with mental health? Now, as someone who comes from those environments, I would say no, like everyone is affected by this. But studies in like psychology today actually say yes. But here's the reason why, which is the most interesting thing. It's because of what people, and I say people of faith do, they gather, they get together on a Sunday, a Saturday, right? They get together in groups and they talk and do these things. And I think what we're seeing, and in my new book, I actually wrote a chapter on this, the, the growth of loneliness, alienation, isolation. I mean, but just loneliness, especially for men. I mean, they, in one study I read, it says the average man has less than one friend, hmm. which means statistically that many men have no friends, no friends. no friends who they can, you know, call and, you know, someone who's saying, Hey, how are you? How's your marriage? How's your life? How are your struggles? How are your addictions? Just, and so uh, it's interesting from a, a faith standpoint, some of the things that combat loneliness, but mm-hmm. what's interesting too, is just, we can use other terminology as well. Meaning if you ever gone for a walk and said, well, that's good for my soul, right? The, the terminology could be more than quote unquote faith. I mean, there's lots of stuff of well-being, purpose, volunteering. I mean, I think that uh, even volunteering is good for our soul, right? Mm-hmm. Go and like my wife's been uh, doing deliveries for a food bank uh, in our town during this time. And it's been, it's a really good thing. And my kids yeah. get involved. Uh, gratitude. This is something for any of us who struggle with mental health. Um, have a gratitude jar. Now, it sounds like something someone does with tiny children, but I think anyone can do this. Because those of us, and this would be me included, who have mental health struggles, we live through the world with not rose-colored glasses, but very dark glasses. Mm-hmm. We, we think everything sucks, right? Everything's bad all the time. Yeah. And so we forget, we forget the good things. And so a gratitude jar means you take one of those sticky notes and a pen and a mason jar and put it on your kitchen table or somewhere. And when you have a great dinner with your family, you had a great, you know, you went out to a restaurant with your parents, you had a great walk, just whatever, write down, had a great day and put it in the gratitude jar. And then we usually around the month of December, pull those out over dinner and you kind of go, oh, I forgot about that. Whereas if you were unwell for a lot of that year, you might view the last year to be really bad, but then you go, there's so many good things we forget. Relationships uh, have them, right? That's an important thing. It's good for your spirit to be with people. Like I think so many of us, especially men are just so isolated. Uh, spoons. Have you ever heard the spoons analogy? I, I really Sorry, I thought you meant spooning there for a second. Um, sorry, continue. <laughs> yep. That's, a, that's another podcast yeah, we'll do yeah, on yeah, spooning. Yeah. No, I haven't the heard that analogy. It's, this, it's a simple one, which is the idea that if you're unwell, you only have so many spoons to give. Hmm. And so give it to things that matter. And so to me, things like exercise, it's well worth a spoon. But like if a buddy wants to go get wings and watch a game, might not be in that day. Like it's kind of like family, work. Like there's certain things that you got to just prioritize what matters. Yeah. Um, Inside this uh, kind of a, the soul spirit, I also talk about mindfulness. Now, mindfulness is not a faith-based practice. We're not talking about terms like meditation and other things, but mindfulness is just 
breathing, if I want to make it the most simple thing, like apps like Calm, Headspace, it's breathing. It's just learning, like if our, it's, like if you think of fight and flight, like the, like that response, the opposite of the panic response is called the relaxation response. Mm-hmm. There's a book by that same name. It's a red one on Amazon. I think it's called, I think by Herbert Benson, if I'm correct. But he talks about the idea of mindfulness, where if your body's anxious and ongoing, you do these breathing exercises. Like I try to do one in the morning, one at night. You could do this for five minutes in your car before you walk into the gym. Yeah. Deep breaths, hold, exhale. Just over time, how this does good for your body. But there's just the point with this would be that there are things in the body, you do these, there's things in the mind, you do these, and there's things with the soul, you do these. And in all these things, we, we get better, right, over time. And I, I always just say, I think that, you know, the body is usually one of the bigger things we find, like, more often than not, I find someone has sleep apnea, and then someone else finds they actually have a thyroid issue. Someone Mm -hmm. else is like, you know, maybe for me, it's Lyme. Maybe for me, having Lyme disease and autoimmune is the is the root issue of all these things. And we're seeing incredible growth in autoimmune disease. Now, we also see bad diets, bad sleep. We work too hard. So, like, I think we're having issues with autoimmune disease as well. Yeah. But I love the idea of body, mind, and soul because we can all do this. And as trainers, we find where do we fit in the spectrum of things like and i say like we can encourage people to go see a counselor we can encourage them on their thought life and other things you know we can encourage them to volunteer do breathing exercises for the soul or if they are faith-based you know get it make sure they're involved with their church or whatever but more i think we're probably people who will be working at our strengths inside the body section Mm -hmm. and even within that we're not taking blood and different things but encouraging people to you know, have good exercise routines that will fit their struggles and their journeys. I think that's where we can kind of make sure that we fit and then we kind of encourage on those other things. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great um, kind of a, a great way to look at it and have trainers expand outside of that, uh, you know, single lane, you know, blinders on body, 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 um, and understand that mm. there's, there's a person behind that body right? So that's the mind piece. Um, and then that there's also, and training has actually expanded on this a lot. And I actually do, when I do conference sessions, I speak on this, but about breathing specifically. Now we talk about a lot of it with uh, enhancing performance, but by enhancing performance, relaxation, rest, recovery are a big part of that. So we also talk about that side of things as well, right? So being able to meld all of those pieces together so the body that we're so good at understanding that there's a person there and then being more um, self-aware more introspection more mindfulness better breathing all of those kind of combined can really help with that i think this is a great place to pause part number one and we will see you for part number two state of the industry podcast i'll be back